0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Patreon supporter Kevin Hardy. If you'd like to support the podcast through a small, recurring monthly donation, just log on to schooloflaughs.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And we also have another sponsor.
1: Hi, this is Leslie Norris Townsend, and I want to invite you to be a part of the Clean Comedy Challenge 2017 in Pasadena, California, and in Chicago, Illinois. The Clean Comedy Challenge invites comedians of all levels to have a chance to work on a real comedy stage with real comedy pros watching and privately critiquing you. It's Eddie Brill, Dwayne Kennedy, Dobie Maxwell, Jimmy Brogan, Dennis Regan. They'll all be on board for these private critiques and seminars. So you don't want to miss out. It's no auditioning early fee before May 1st. Go to www.cleancomedychallenge.com. When you register, make sure you mention the School of Laughs podcast so I know where you came from.
2: Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by schooloflaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show.
0: Thanks again to our sponsors, Kevin Hardy and the Clean Comedy Challenge. Uh, The Clean Comedy Challenge, those dates are coming up soon, so you want to make sure you get on that as soon as possible and take part and get better at your stand-up comedy. Hey, today we have a great, fun interview with Andy Benigno, a comic I met maybe three, three and a half, four years ago and been keeping tabs on him. Just bumped into him recently here in Nashville when he attended the uh, Christian Comedy Association Conference. And uh, he performed a set on our showcase night, Sunday night. It's our night to kind of showcase some of our uh, up-and-coming comics, veteran comics, and just all-around solid comics. And he was on that bill, did a great job. He actually uh, allows me to play some of that audio at the end of the episode so make sure you listen all the way through to hear a few minutes of Andy on stage but Andy's a great guy I thought I'd get a little insight into his career uh, he's been at it for about 12 years started in Michigan and uh, you know he talks about the early days grinding it out driving the hours and hours back and forth to different gigs and then, then kind of how he got his his early start uh, opening for other guys and then how he eventually got to his, his appearance on live at gotham which we'll talk about that at the end of the episode and i will link to that video of him at gotham uh, in the show notes if you want to check that out Hey, just one quick thing before we get into that interview with Andy Beningo. The stand-up comedy level one writing class is taking place again here in Nashville in August. It's August seventh, fourteenth, and twenty-first from six to eight p.m. Those are all Mondays. The investment in your comedy career is a mere two hundred dollars. And if you're not here in Nashville, you can always access the writing class online. There's an online version of this class. It's up and running. Uh, I've seen a lot of great success from the students who have taken that. And right now, I'm running a special twenty percent off on the silver edition of that course. If use the coupon code BETTERCOMEDY. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-C-O-M-E-D-Y, all one word, all capital letters. You can go to com and click on the online classes tab to find out more about that class. All right, let's get into our interview with funny man, Andy Beningo. Well, I'm here with Andy Beningo. Andy, how's it going today, sir? Hey, doing really good.
2: Thanks for having me on, Rick.
0: Hey, I'm excited to have you on. I've got to see you do comedy a few times, uh, shorter sets, showcase type sets. And I thought it would you know, be good to kind of figure out where you started and where you're headed. Cause it seems like you're moving, moving along pretty quickly. So let's start off with, uh, you know, what got you into comedy in the first place? Was it something that you always wanted to do or something you kind of stumbled into?
2: Yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, uh, when I was a kid, I was just a big fan of comedy. Uh, we weren't allowed to stay up late. Uh, and then, uh, um, one time for uh new year's eve my parents let me stay up till midnight so i was really excited And i mean what do you do that late you end up watching the tonight show so uh some of my earliest memories was just kind of watching leno on the tonight show and i was just kind of always amazed at man how could somebody be that funny you know and just make it uh, so effortless and so when i kind of got into high school and even college um you know, I just kind of fell in love with some of those Comedy Central specials that uh, that were on, you know, some of the uh, bigger guys that are big now, like Mike Birbiglia and Daniel Tosh and stuff, and so I just was kind of a big fan of stand-up, and then kind of when I got to college, I just thought, man, I just want to try it at least one time and see how, how it kind of goes, and uh, so um, in college, uh, they had like kind of open mics but uh they weren't like traditional comedy open mics they were like uh, open mic open mic you know so it was like people would kind of do rap songs and people would play (laughs) instruments and uh i remember there was a guy who was just like very emo you know he wore kind of the black clothes and had the black spiky hair and he did a 15 minute poem about death (laughs) Uh, and how, like, life doesn't matter. And then the MC kind of jogs up and is like, all right, you guys ready to laugh now? Here's your (laughs) comedian. (laughs) It was kind of like, okay, this is kind of my introduction to uh, stand-up. And um, surprisingly, it went pretty well. It, It was kind of a bizarre story because, pretty much everybody I ever talked to, you know, they said they, they did five minutes to start. You know, usually it's like a comedy class, uh, you know, graduation night or like an open mic. But uh, at Central, my first time, I actually did 15 minutes of thinking uh, wow my first time just because they gave everybody 15 minutes and I didn't really know any better. So I was like, oh, that sounds about right, you know, and uh, <laughs> kind of got uh kind of got consistent laughs through through the whole set, but I mean looking back now i mean it's it's pretty painful to watch because it was you know i think the interesting thing with comedy is you know you just kind of write about what you're what you're dealing with in life at the time, you know so right. the first set was basically just you know oh, I live at home with my parents and i, I you know have college books and you know all that stuff, college classes and so now. I don't do a lot of the material just because I've gone on other things, but, um, you know, at the time I was very, very excited about it and, uh, actually skipped school for about a week and a half because I thought, Oh, I'm going to be this big comedy star now, you know, <laughs> one, one show under my belt. And then, uh, as most things go, the second set I ever did, I bombed horribly. So it kind of humbled me. And, made me realize oh it's a little bit harder than than, uh, than i think was there
0: anybody else doing comedy those open mics
2: yeah not really i mean there were a couple of like guys in the acting classes that tried it and you know they um they you know they, they just kind of did it once but for whatever reason they never got the bug uh i mean i was obsessed with it from the minute i got up on stage so um i actually had a friend of mine who did stand up for about three or four years my buddy greg amoros he uh he and i um when we both turned, I guess, 21 or 22, that's when I started driving from central Michigan to my home club, Ann Arbor Comedy kind of Showcase. That's kind of where I, I kind of started emceeing and, and featuring and headlining and stuff. So we would make like two, two and a half hour drives, you know, back and forth. Um, and then uh, he did the sensible thing and got a, a, a real person job, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and I uh, just kind of stuck with it. and. Yeah, and so he was kind of the guy that we just kind of bounced ideas off each other, and um, and honestly, I think he was funnier than I was, and just for some reason, just, uh, you know, kind of did it more as a hobby, and uh, yeah, I've been lucky to,
0: you know, get to do it for a, for a career. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You think of all the people in your life. I know a lot of people in my life that are hilarious that would never consider doing stand-up, because they... They are funny, but they're not crazy. And you have to be a little bit crazy to, to attempt to do this for a full-time job and, and give up all the things that you have to give up to pursue it. So, you know, it's, it's good those guys give up or else we wouldn't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, for the, for the most part, it isn't
2: really kind of a sensible thing, especially in the beginning when you're, I mean, let's be honest, you're kind of a, a, not very good when you begin, but there's something in your brain that's like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm going to keep going. This is actually going. You know, pretty decently or whatever. And then, um, luckily, you know, it's just, it, it, you know, I mean, you've been doing comedy for a while. It's just, it takes a lot of time to just figure it out. And then, uh, you know, but, uh, definitely, um, you know, keep in touch with them. He's still, again, like I said, my friend Greg is still the funniest guy talking to, but, uh, you know, obviously the road and stuff, I mean, it, it definitely is a, uh, kind of a hard lifestyle to, to live, you know? So for the first maybe two or three years, um, of my quote unquote County career, I I maybe did two shows a year. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like a full time thing. And then, um, they had like a funniest person on campus competition and like the winner got to open for this guy, uh, Bobby Lee on uh, mad TV. Yeah. Like this giant theater show. Yeah. So, uh, believe it or not, Greg and I actually won the contest. Um, so we got to open like this giant theater. Um, you know, it was probably like 800 kids or something like that in the, in the college. And, uh, you know, I remember just being very nervous because pretty much everybody I knew came out uh, the show. You know, my yeah. parents came out to see me for the first time. My, you know, my brother brought a date who ended up uh, eventually becoming my sister-in-law. So, they, you know, they came out, my sister, and, you know, he got all everybody from college. So there's that kind of nervousness of, oh, please don't bomb, you know. Right. <laughs> you just embarrass yourself in front of everybody, you know. But um, the, I guess the point of the story was, uh, I guess I remember asking Bobby. I mean, um, he's, a, he's a little bit uh, edgier than I am, I guess, uh, would be the, <laughs> the, the easiest way to put it um but he just i just remember his advice and it it kind of at the time you know now you look back and you go "Oh, it's kind of cliche advice but at the time my head almost exploded and it was just his advice was just write as much as you can and get up as much as you can and um so that's when it kind of clicked to me like okay i gotta you know i can't just do it you know twice a year or something i gotta hopefully do it at least twice a week you know it's kind of my beginning goal and then um yeah, so that's when I started making the drives down there. It was about two hours from Mount Pleasant to Ann Arbor and then about two hours back. So it'd be about a four-hour round trip. And uh, But, uh, you know, it never was – Um, I, I don't know. Like, the drives to me never really were that bad because it was exciting going, oh, wow, we're going to do comedy, you know. So it was always, for me, very exciting.
0: Yeah, I think back to when I first started and hopping in the car, going somewhere, it was, it was always like an adventure, you know. It was – I get in a couple of cans of Mountain Dew, and you know, <laughs> get going in the car. And, you know, every fifty miles, I'd be like, "All right, almost there, almost there." And I'd run my sets. I would say them out loud. I would scream them. I would whisper them to myself in the car, and mm-hmm. time down on them. And then when I got there, was the everything was ready to go. So, you know, the grind the journey is a, is a fun part of it, and I, I think that's what weeds a lot of people out when they start to experience a little bit of that, and they're like, "Oh, I don't want to work this hard to to pursue comedy."
2: Well, we always had a, we were always excited to be driving down, you know, we were like, oh, we're doing comedy. Then on the way back home, we'd be looking at each other like, dude, I can't believe I got a laugh tonight. How exciting, (laughs) you know, so it was, you know, at the time it was so exciting, at least get one or two laughs. So, um, yeah, so I mean, it's, it's definitely, um, I think you gotta do that. I think you gotta get in the car and drive. I mean, you know, again, a lot of really funny people, um, that don't really leave their, I don't want to say their comfort zone, but they get kind of comfortable doing the same, you know, six or seven rooms. But I think if you, you know, definitely want to do it, um, for a career, you definitely got to get in the car and, get, uh, you know, showcase at other clubs or other, you know, churches, venues, wherever you can get up basically. And, uh, you know, there's definitely, um, a lot of work, uh, uh that, uh, that goes into it for sure.
0: When you were, uh, Doing all this, you started in college. did you have a couple of little jobs before you went full time when you got out How long was that transition
2: i I studied to become a uh, a substitute or like a like a teacher you know that was my kind of degree so i, I uh, was a substitute teacher for probably two years or so after college but I mean I had little like desk jobs and little I used to work at a park and serve ice cream <laughs> during the <laughs> summer that was kind of my kind of my summer job so that's kind of what I did uh for you know pretty much high school all the way through college and then uh just for whatever reason um they had like a big teacher freeze so nobody was really getting hired as a, as a teacher here in Michigan but I kept getting you know kind of consistent uh you know, MC and Feature weeks, and then had a couple of headliners that uh, liked me and started bringing me on the road, so um, I just kind of you know just kind of snowballed, and before you knew it, it was kind of like, "Wow, I'm actually a, a comedian. This is kind of cool." So um, just kind of got lucky that it was kind of the right timing, I guess.
0: Yeah, who, who were some of the comics that brought you along for the ride? Yeah, when I, when
2: I started, I took a, a class in, in Ann Arbor. It was a writing class by a guy named Chili Chalice. Yeah, um, he used to write for Yeah, yeah, he used to write for uh for Leno and stuff and uh like I said, he used to teach his writing class and um he really liked me and uh he was just like, Yeah, I'll take you out so uh started working the road with him. Um and then, um, you know, I just started working some of those uh, Funny Bones. They just opened one in Toledo in right when I started. So I got lucky where they just kind of needed bodies to MCs. So right I got to meet some of those guys coming through. And before you know it, you're, you know, picking up other stuff. But um, a guy named uh, Rob Little. Um, Rob's a Michigan comic. He lives out in New York now. And uh, another guy, Dwayne Gill, he's a Michigan guy. He's yeah, kind of those are of, all you know, good guys. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was, it was pretty cool because I, you know, it's like, like I said, I got out of college and I was like, wow, these guys are like legitimate comedians. So I was just, uh, I loved to just being in the car with those guys and just, uh, you know, just trying to be a sponge and just try to soak up as much information, um, as, as, you know, as they were given. And, and I noticed that most guys are pretty, uh, pretty nice about uh, sharing information. And, uh, so I got lucky that, uh, yeah, those were some of the first guys that I, I kind of, um, uh, you know start taking me and later on I got kind of lucky started touring with uh, Frank Caliendo for a little bit uh, when he was doing the club dates and stuff and so um, that kind of led to some other things as well and so uh, yeah I've been lucky to not only know some of these guys but actually uh, form uh, some friendships with them So
0: that's been pretty neat. That's awesome. Can you remember a um, you know other than that first show on campus uh one of the first times where you were like oh man this is this is really working this is a a great room a great crowd or whatever where you're like oh, this is definitely my thing
2: yeah i mean it, it was just always like little steps i feel like you know what i mean it was always uh like kind of two steps forward and one back is kind of what i felt in the beginning because shows would kind of start going well and then um, you know, I work. I work uh, pretty squeaky clean. You know what I mean. Um, so, uh, um, but at the time, I mean, my goal was to basically try to get on stage at least like 300 times a year. You know what I mean? So, right. Between like open mics and weekend shows. So, sometimes I would pick maybe the wrong room. You know, you could do some like little bar one nighter or something where they don't really care about your grandparents and they don't care about <laughs> you know your your nephew or whatever. They kind of want to hear. Dirtier, raw stuff. So I would, I would always kind of take those shows pretty hard because it was like, oh, what, what did I do that they didn't like me? And then you know, as you know, within only like a year or two ago, I just kind of realized like, well, sometimes it's just not your audience. Sometimes it's not your your market. But um, the the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase to me, I think, was was the room that I, I always just had a lot of fun in. It's uh, I'm not sure if you've ever played there, Rick. It's uh, one of
0: the few uh, places I never <laughs> got to that I wanted to.
2: Yeah, yeah, I got to I got to tell Roger about you, man. It's it's like it's a, it's so much fun. It's a small room, you know, it's real low ceilings. They're right on top of you and uh you know, you have a nice mix of kind of college kids at the open mics and then during the weekend it's just a mix of regular just, you know, Midwest good people. Um and so the early days, you know, ann Arbor, I just kind of related more to those college kids. So, um I just remember that being a really fun uh spot to to perform at for sure.
0: That's awesome. And so total now, how long have you been in comedy? How many years?
2: Um, this probably like, probably, yeah, probably like 12 years I've been doing it. Um, you know, the first couple of years, like I said, I didn't really do, um, a lot of shows, but then, you know, mostly after I got, uh, after I graduated from college, that's kind of when I started hitting the road and stuff. So yeah, it's already been, you know, 10, 12 years, something like that. And, uh, doesn't, yeah, that, yeah. doesn't that feel
0: weird to, to realize a decade in the business, you know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and and still getting no respect in some clubs, absolutely. But uh, you know, that's just kind of the the yeah, I mean it it's definitely gone by fast, but um you know, I'm still, I've still enjoyed it. You know, there's definitely been some pre- pretty good highs and some pretty interesting lows that you kind of joke around about your buddies uh with in the car and everything and, and uh but yeah, it's it's definitely flown by. Um I, you know even saying it 12 years it, it doesn't seem like it's been that long but obviously been very fortunate to have been able to be in it this long for sure because again like i said i know there's been some really funny guys that for whatever reason they just kind of fizzle out and they're done after two three years or something so um you know I'm, I'm not sure why that is maybe it's just their passion isn't in it or whatever but uh yeah i been, been very fortunate
0: that's cool and what would you say is your mix of club shows to corporate shows to church shows or what, or, you know, other things, what's, what kind of things up
2: your calendar? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my calendar has always got kind of a nice mix of things. Um, obviously, uh, after going to the CCA, you know, I've been just picking uh, people's brains about how you get into more church events, more, more corporate stuff, because I feel like ultimately that's where I kind of want to go. Um, those are the shows that I feel like I, I just, I relate better to them and uh you know i can just kind of be me you know sometimes in club you gotta change a couple of things around um but um but yeah it's a, it's a nice mix i'd say probably i guess it'd be like probably like 33 33 and 33 you know percent. So like a, a third of my weeks are probably club beats a third are kind of like churches and uh just started working a couple of cruise lines and then um the other third is just kind of like little fundraisers and one-nighters and um casino things that kind of pop up and uh yeah yeah
0: what have you done a few of the cruises you said how do you feel about those and which cruise lines have you been on yeah yeah i started working Norwegian uh cruise lines
2: um probably about a year ago and uh it's good and bad you know i mean it's (laughs) uh, it's kind of like when when you get to a port there's uh, I, i was in Honduras at one of the ports and I almost kind of had to pinch myself because it's like, what are you doing here? It's, you know, here in Central America, you grew up in a small town and you know, you're, you're traveling the world doing comedy. I mean, I I feel very lucky and fortunate that, you know, not to, I hope that doesn't sound braggy, but it's just kind of one of those, just what are you doing here moments where you're not supposed to be here. Um, So that's fun. The shows um, I think are pretty good. Um, I do like, you know, uh, I do like performing on them, the, the shows where there's kids in the audience, I really uh, don't mind them, you know, uh, I, I don't really, you know, I kind of can can kind of at least play and goof off. Um, the late shows, I guess, again, are kind of the, uh, <laughs> sometimes the struggle, you know, because they want it a little bit dirtier, but I basically kind of, you know, like I said, I kind of stick to my guns and up front, I go, I know this is a dirty show, but look at me. I look like somebody making make it a Build-A-Bear and they kind of <laughs> laugh and right. it kind of sets the mood to go, okay, well, you know, we came for dirty, but you know, I think as long as you're still funny, that's all they really care about. And so, um, some, most times it goes well, but sometimes if they really want raw stuff, you know, you're kind of doggy paddling just because it's just different senses of humor. But, um, you know again the shows are fun uh being away for two weeks is tough just because i got the small kids you know
0: that's right um
2: so that 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 gets a little bit tough um and maybe not even on their end maybe they're like oh whatever dad's gone but i'm like oh two weeks away from my little my little rugrats. you know i get a little uh get a little sad sometimes but
0: um yeah t- tell everybody how old your kids are yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. My uh, my daughter just turned three, and I have a son that's about 14 months old.
1: So yeah, uh, they're
2: still, still in that little, you know, it's like, you, you, you they're doing a lot of fun, cute stuff. So I sometimes feel like I'm missing out on that stuff. But, um, you know, when I'm home, I just try to do home stuff, you know. I mean, uh, I think we talked a long time about how you were... Like you set certain time aside for comedy, but then also when you're home you you try being a dad and doing your your normal family
0: stuff as well, you know, yeah, try to make it you know at least clear for the kids so that they know you know I've got an office outside the home now, so when I've gone there, I'm working hard, and when I walk in the door, it's just like a a nine to five dad to come in, and it's time to play and yeah. have dinner and all that stuff and that's that's been a good thing. Uh, I found myself though this summer. My kids are getting ready to turn twelve and five here in the next couple wow. of months, and it's they're they're not disruptive like they were when they're crying babies and you know screaming. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I'm getting to the office later and later every day because I kind of it's been it's been nice in Nashville. It's been like seventy five degrees every day, so we just go out and hang out outside on the screened in porch yeah. and play with Hot Wheels and Legos and all right. that stuff. So I kinda need to get out of here. Absolutely get out of here more than I do, but <laughs> but I do remember when my son was three, uh, I had gone and done Norwegian actually out of Houston and, and done some ports down there and like Roatan and all this stuff. And, yeah, right, right. Yeah, which is a nice little itinerary and you know, the first week on the cruise ship I'm like, this is all right and the second week I'm like, Oh, I oh, I miss my family too much and when I came home <laughs> right my little yep. boy was like, Papa, papa. I need to know, are you gonna go on another boat? And I said, oh, <laughs> not for a while, buddy, yeah. not for a while. And then I really yeah, waited yeah. till uh till I guess till my daughter was born, like maybe she was a year and a half and I did a Disney deal. Yeah. Came home from that and she was like, I don't like when you go away on the boats and so I'm like mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So yeah, one thing I do yeah. like about the boats is you've got to do multiple shows so you have to use all of your material basically and have different openings and different closing. Yep. I, I really look at those two week cruises is like, okay, this is my time to fully dedicate myself to my comedy and, and break this thing down and fix what's not working and write some new jokes. And it's always been yeah. an experience where you come back and you're like, okay, I made, I made use of that time. I wasn't at the, at the pool all the time. And if I was, I was writing jokes, <laughs> right. listening back to my set. So you take some of the guilt factor out of, you know, being on a vacation, you're working. But it is like you say, you you look around, you're pulling into Honduras or wherever Cozumel and you're like, you know, everybody here on this ship paid like twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred bucks to get on. <laughs> and they're to ride along with all these guys' jokes. Yeah. You feel like that's yeah, You're best upstairs in the, in the buffet just Yeah, you're upstairs in the buffet
2: just destroying it and you're just oh. like, Oh, this is the best thing ever, you
0: know. But you're those crab webs yeah, and that. the chocolate fountain. It's like <laughs> <laughs> you just, <laughs> right, right, you just got a, the a big tray of butter walking around the ship. It's just <laughs> it's, it can be hard sure. to beat That's cool, man. Well, it sounds like you're you're grounded and you you understand life to a, a degree that some comics don't, to where they make their their career their only thing. But uh, it, it takes a good strong family behind you to to you know cheer you on and support you when you're gone and and not be uh, guilting you in your home to stay home. So that's pretty cool. I'm curious. Have uh have your kids got to see you perform live?
2: Um, you know, I, I it's so funny. Uh, not not live, just because they're still kind of small. They're you know, like I said, my daughter's three. But it's actually funny because you sent me that. Uh, you just sent me that. You know, I got to first of all, I'm very honored uh, that you guys asked me to be part of the uh, showcase at the CCA this year. I was absolutely uh, thrilled to be part of that, and uh, I know you guys kind of sent me the video. Just kind of watching it to kind of review it, kind of make sure the laughs were in the right spot and everything. And, uh, my daughter started watching the video and, uh, it's kind of funny because she's kind of laughing at a couple of little things, just kind of when I'm making little faces or sound uh-huh. effects and she just kind of laughs and shakes her head and goes, silly daddy. So you know, <laughs> that definitely makes you feel uh like a million dollars when, uh, you know, she, she's not probably quite understanding what, uh, what's going on. Let's go, uh, so, thought it was kind of cool. So, that, that I'm, I'm definitely excited. I just had uh, my niece and nephew uh, came and saw me. Um, they're uh, I think about ten and eight. Uh, so, they came out about a month ago and saw me live. So, um, it's kind of cool when family, you know, they, they, you know, not only supports you but also thinks it's kind of cool as well. You know, uh, so um, yes. yeah, it's it's just
0: been pretty cool. And that's you know that's one advantage if you're doing corporates or churches that you can get your kids in there to watch some of those things and you know my daughter just got yeah. to watch me for the first time um, a couple of Saturdays ago here in in Nashville, and she loved every minute of it. she wanted to go up on stage and yeah. get out of the audience and everything <laughs> so I took her up there and I yeah. don't you know if I've told the story in the podcast before, but the first time my son saw me, he was maybe four, and I was doing a, mm-hmm. a corporate Christmas party for a it was a hospital, so it was a luncheon, then I went up and did my, and did my hour, and so him and my yeah. wife came, and on the drive down there, he's like, um, you think I can get up there and tell a couple of jokes? And I'm like, yeah, that would be yeah. awesome. I said, you know, if, if you change your <laughs> mind when we get there, yeah. it gets to be too real, I understand that. But at the end of my show, I'll just say, yeah, it. Right. my son's here, he said he wanted to come up, so I did my show. And I said, hey, my son's here on the drive-in. He said, you might want to get up here and talk on the microphone. If that's okay with you, I'd like to invite him up here. And so sure enough, he hopped out of his chair, and, and you know, I see his little head bobbing between the shoulder blades of everybody else. And boy, <laughs> right. Yeah. And I pick him up, and I hold him to the microphone and say, is there something you want to say? And I, I still thought he was going to be taken out. But he goes, yes. Yeah. He goes, uh, if anybody sees Santa, Legos. And then he jumped back down and ran back to his chair. <laughs> was like, it was the biggest laugh of the whole show. I'm like he just, stole the whole thing.
2: <laughs> but yeah, he's going to get addicted to it too. You know, he's probably going to remember that forever.
0: You know. Yeah. So it's it it's pretty cool when your kids can see what you do, and and not to you know disrespect any comics that are dirty or filthy or any of that kind of stuff. But I'm happy. I'm at the point where if my kids want to come see a show, I don't have to explain a million things to them afterwards or apologize or change my material you know it sounds like you're in that same boat so it's a pretty cool pretty cool vibe
2: yeah i i get that a lot where my parents will go hey we want to come see you and i go why don't you wait a couple of weeks because this might not be a a good show and it's it's not that yeah i'm the same way i don't look down on on those guys i mean those guys sometimes are you know the funniest guys out there um but i just i can't pull it off you know what I i mean i remember especially in college it was probably like my fourth show or something i did some kind of dirty dirtier bit and i remember these girls in the front row laughed but they looked at each other like very uncomfortably you know what i mean and i just remember thinking to myself like well that's not really kind of the reaction i want to get out of people you know what i mean i'd rather have them just have a fun time and you know um just to be able to escape from whatever they're, you know, going through or whatever, just to, you know, just genuinely laugh at, at, uh, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, I just, I tried dirtier stuff, but it just, you know, again, it's like a little teddy bear trying to say dirty things. It just doesn't match what, uh, you know, what I, what I am, I guess. And not only that, but just kind of the way I grew up, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a spot for, for everybody, you know?
0: That's cool. I want to talk real quick to, uh I saw a clip where you were on uh, live at Gotham. Tell me about how how that unfolded, how you got it, and then how you how you look back at the set and how you think you did. Yeah, for sure. Um
2: I I uh worked with Frank Caliendo quite a bit. Um he's kinda taken me on the road in some of the uh the club dates and so uh we were working uh, Friday and Saturday, um, just in New York City and Um, it was awesome I mean I'm sure you've been in the city before it's just electric and there's a million people walking around and I love that there's pizza stands pretty much everywhere yeah (laughs) just to me it's like this is amazing so um, he kind of introduced me to to Chris Mazzilli very briefly Chris was kind of on his way walking out and so um, the shows I did in New York they went pretty well and kind of the managers and the staff was kind of like well you should just submit your clip and you know, you should, uh, you should try to get on the show. And so I took probably five or six months just trying to find that perfect set. you know, trying to figure out, um, just the stuff that I thought would stand out. And, uh-huh. uh, so I submitted it to him and he, you know, he liked the clip and said, okay, there's a, you know, quite a few people ahead of here, just be patient. And then, uh, you know, right around Christmas time, I emailed him again and he said, well, we're, we're not really filming anything around Christmas, so, Why don't you reach out the the first of the year? So I did. And then he emailed me back saying, yeah, why don't we do the the show in March? And uh, there's part of you that's very excited because, you know, everybody kind of wants a shot on TV. Uh, Uh And there's also a a terrifying aspect where you go, oh, no. (laughs) Like, All right, I better be, you know, ready to go. And um, I've heard, uh, it, it's, I always kind of laughed at this. Mike Myers, uh, the, the great comedian from Saturday Night Live and stuff, was always talking about how he was afraid that the no-talent police was going to come by and tap uh-huh. him on the shoulder and go, hey, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> and that's kind of how I, I was so excited the day of the show. I kind of did my, my pre-show routine of just kind of, uh, you know, quick power nap and, all that stuff, and I remember waking up from the from the nap, going, "What? What? Is, they're gonna know, <laughs> you know that, that yeah. you're not supposed to be here." You know, there's all these talented guys from Michigan that you know they're not on the show tonight. There's all these talented people from Boston and Colorado and New Jersey and Nashville. They they're they're gonna know you're not supposed to be here. So I had kind of a I don't want to say a panic attack, but I was very just nervous about okay, you know. And, um, luckily I, I'd kind of reached out to some friends, um, before I did the show, like, um, Jimmy Brogan is a, is a yeah. guy that, uh, I looked up to very much and he's been on TV a lot and he just kind of told me, you know what, just run your set like a hundred times so that you don't even have to think about it. Uh, yeah. And so I kind of luckily at least put the, the prep work into it. And so, um, it goes by so fast. I mean, I I know it's like nine minutes, but there's just so much stuff going on. There's a guy in the back with a cue card counting down the time. And there's a, you know, you're, you're still trying to make the audience laugh, but then there's a camera like right in your face off to your left. And so there's a million things going on. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, it's done. You're over. Okay. And then you're kind of thinking to yourself, like, did I say, half the things I was supposed to say because it's just I don't I know it sounds weird but it it was just uh for me just kind of a a surreal kind of you know just because there was so much other stuff going on but um looking back on it I think it was okay you know I'd I'd probably give it about a B you know like I said I I was kind of nervous I don't know if it showed on the the clip or not but um I obviously I think could have done better, but I also could have done way worse too. So, uh, you know, I was just kind of happy to, to get, uh, get one
0: under the belt. And, um, so yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. Yep. Yeah, I've watched it a couple of times. I thought you did really well. You seemed excited. Oh, I, don't thank think, you. I don't think you look nervous, um, but part of your energy on stage, on stage is a little bit kind of like, uh, how would I describe you? You don't, you don't necessarily pace, but you can tell your mind is pacing like, you're a guy who's sure. who's thinking things through, even as he's saying them, kind of, and uh, an- analytical, I guess. So I think it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it played well.
2: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was going to say the one thing too about that clip was nice because I was able to pick up quite a bit of work just from the same thing. It shot well, but also it's for sort of, for the most part fairly clean, so it kind of helps with with that kind of thing. So I was pretty excited about that. So yeah
0: yeah having a good clean clip like that high quality and something people are familiar with as far as tv doesn't hurt and i'm sure that's going to be a good nope. calling card for you for quite a while cool man well i appreciate you uh spending some time today
2: hey you you too man i appreciate it have a good week travel safe and uh looking forward to talking more soon
0: yeah buddy. thanks Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Andy Beningo. You can see he's a a humble guy, even though he's had some success and uh, continues to climb the comedy ladder. Uh, Exciting to see what he's doing and where it's going from here. I've linked to his website in the show notes as well as to the Live at Gotham clip and you want to check that out and after i get done with these last couple of announcements we'll end the episode with a little bit of his comedy that he did recently here in nashville tennessee a quick itunes review before we close out we're at 99 itunes reviews i thank you for all of those man wouldn't it be great if we could have a hundred uh if you're thinking about it just log into itunes it's easiest to do it if you're on your laptop and here is the review it's a five star review from gray duck it says, This podcast has provided me some of the best industry insights into joke writing, set creation, and the business of stand-up comedy. A must-listen for any open micer or aspiring stand-up comedian. I am particularly thankful that this show is valuable no matter where you're performing. They are in Tennessee, but the principals work in Minnesota, too. Probably not Canada, though. Thank you, Gray Duck. Uh, I think most of it will work in Canada, but you have to have that little uh, conversion table to help you figure out your jokes and which ones work up there, eh? Thank you again for the iTunes review. If you'd like to leave one, please do, and I'll definitely read it on the air. All right, don't forget you have that coupon code Comedy that can get you 20% off the online writing class. And let's listen one more time to Leslie Townsend about the Clean Comedy Challenge.
1: Hi, this is Leslie Norris Townsend, and I want to invite you to be a part of the Clean Comedy Challenge 2017 in Pasadena, California, and in Chicago, Illinois. This is our seventh year for this one-of-a-kind conference that includes three days of learning, writing, performing, and hanging with the pros in the comedy business. The Clean Comedy Challenge invites comedians at all levels to have a chance to work on a real comedy stage or to fill out an ambition on their bucket list just to be a part of the comedy. Business. Go to cleancomedychallenge.com for more details. When you register, make sure you mention the School of Laughs podcast so I know where you came from. Be a part of the comedy train. Woohoo!
0: So make sure you check out that Clean Comedy Challenge. If you're able to get to those cities on those dates, you definitely want to be part of that. All right, let's finish out today with a, a quick sample of some comedy from our interviewee today, Andy Beningo.
3: This is great some of you are on dates tonight that's fantastic my wife wanted to go out for a date night not too long ago you know what she want to do for our big night out <laughs> she wanted to go see a revival of the musical cats yeah that's what she wanted to do and i was like i'll go but i'm gonna bring a laser pointer just to watch them all freak out on stage you know like <laughs> that's your date night right there man we just celebrated our fifth wedding anniversary. How about that? Yeah. Oh, thank you. You guys are like, nice work, little guy. All right. Some of you are looking at me confused. Like, who'd marry Flounder from Animal House? Like, how did that happen? Who married the real-life version of Corey from Boy Meets World? How did that happen? that's... Very nervous about proposing. I was talking to my older brother for advice. He told me you're supposed to spend two months' pay on the engagement ring. Have you heard that? Two months' pay? Yeah, I got nervous. I'm like, I'm a comedian. Like if I did that, the ring would cost forty dollars. You know what I mean? Like, just be walking around with one of those ring pop suckers, showing it off to her friends. The engagement process, that's a lot of fun. I didn't even know you go through this whole process, you get to register for gifts. I didn't know that. My wife, she wanted to register at a place called Bed Bath & Beyond. Have you heard of that place before? Yeah, you, yeah. (laughs) I'm a guy though, so I was like, let's register at the Bass Pro Shop, you know what I mean? Sports authority, let's register there. And uh, we compromised. And we went to Bed Bath & Beyond, so... uh, she's, uh, She's pretty much in charge. I don't mind my wife, she's very cute, she's very shy and uh, when I'm off stage, very shy as well Shy couple, right? Some couples are not shy You ever go in public, you see a couple, they're kissing in the corner Mm, I love you, I love you It's awkward for everybody, right? You just want to tap them on the shoulder and go Dude, we're at Applebee's right now, (laughs) calm down (laughs) Take your curly fries, let it go, it's gonna be alright I love my wife. Five years in, we're still learning different things about each other. That's the fun thing of relationships. You're always learning different things. I learned this about my wife. I didn't know recently. She uh, she can't wink. I didn't know that was a thing with people, right? Normal people wink. It's kind of cute. It's like, what's going on? Hey, I'm Matthew McConaughey. What's going on, right? My wife, she's got something weird with her eyelids. So when she goes to wink, she does this weird, like, blinky eye thing with her face like she can't get the one eyelid down the first time she did it it was so awkward we're driving in the car and she's like so listen I was thinking this weekend you and I should go up north and you know what go to an eye doctor like what is happening with your face right now do you have allergies what is that move?
2: (laughs) Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.